Hello, everyone. This is the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series coming at you guys with another instant reaction podcast after Game 3 of the ALDS. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined by Danny Russell, and once again, Brett Phillips back on the show. Rays win again. They have a 2-1 to series lead. Going into Game 4 tomorrow night, probably the most complete victory of the postseason, it felt like. Uh, well, last night, but maybe this one was a little bit more comfortable. Uh, what are you? What are you guys feeling? I'm feeling great. Oh my god, <laughs> it feels so much better compared to last night. Even though both were wins. Danny, it feels like the game was never in doubt. I am in shock about that. All the stress that I felt yesterday was somehow alleviated tonight, and it just boggles the mind as how that could be. Is it because it was a seven o'clock start time instead of an eight o'clock start time? So I'm not just delirious at the from the first pitch. Also, after game one, we were nervous. Like, we were all nervous. We weren't panicking yet, but we were nervous. You know, down one nothing in a five-game series. Getting that, that first win in the series last night and then coming back out tonight, it felt like neither side really had momentum, but if one side did, it was the Rays. And you had Charlie Morton on the mound, a fully rested Charlie Morton. They had Tanaka on the other side. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was a comfortable victory. You know, it ends eight to four Rays. We get John Curtis gets some more innings. Uh, so does Shane McClanahan. They do end up using Castillo to, to finish it out in a four-run game. Um, but but ultimately, uh, it was the bats once again. And who else? Randy Rosarena, three for four with a walk, a home run, two singles. Or I think it was yeah, they were both singles. But it this guy. It's, it's Randy Rosarena's world, and we're all just living in it. This guy. I mean it. You know, this is becoming more than just like a little postseason storyline. Like, he keeps doing it every single night. Uh, the home run was just another massive tank. I don't have the exit veal or the launch angle on it, but an incredible home run. You can't move him out of the three spot. Uh, you can't take him out of the lineup. I don't care who's pitching. He is the best hitter on the team right now, which is really great to see because Brandon Lau has been pretty cold this postseason. Uh, I have the exit velocity. It was just... It was 0.2 below 100 miles an hour off the bat. So it wasn't as commanding as some of the other hits have been. You know, sometimes we get into miles per hour, sometimes we don't. Randy's been hitting things like 108. That was not his hardest hit home run of this postseason. It was well struck. He even hit a harder single uh, uh, later in the game. Randy is just good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Breaking news real quick. I want to keep talking about this game, but I want to throw this out there. Ryan Thompson opening tomorrow in game four. Um, but we're going to talk about that in a second. We'll, t- we'll go a little bit into game four in just a second. I want to focus on game three, get these instant reactions out. Um, Austin Meadows back at the top of the lineup. We t- we praised him last night. Uh, tonight, he struggled. Yeah, four, uh, yeah. Three strikeouts, rough play in right field. It would have been a tough play to make, but kind of caromed off the wall and he lost it. Brett, Austin Meadows, I mean, is yeah. he someone that you sharpie into the lineup or is he a question mark from here on I out? think, I, I I, mean, look, obviously I'm not making decisions for this team because if I was, Austin Meadows wouldn't have been in the lineup last night. And Austin Meadows probably would have been like, he, he would not be like batting number one in the lineup every every night for me. That said, Austin Meadows today really, like, as in, much as he improved throughout the game yesterday, 
he just today was just at a brutal level. I mean, his second at bat against Tanaka, he whipped on just like a fat pitch right in the middle of the zone. And, and it was, you know, it was before the Rays had their big lead. It was a time when you're sort of worried, like, is this going to be like another two to one game where are we going to have to worry about the bullpen and worry about hopefully Charlie Morton can keep it close. And Austin Meadows whiffing on a pitch like that. It, it isn't great. Um, that said, it was nice to see, and, 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 you know, not just Meadows, but there's a bunch of producers in this lineup who aren't really getting what it needs to be done to be done. And luckily they've been getting picked up by huge hits from unsung heroes, like, you know, Michael Perez and obviously a Rosarena has been just a, twice as good as the second best hitter on the race. But <laughs> Austin Meadows is a case where, you know, I'd like to see him do a little better, but I bet he'll be starting tomorrow. He'll be the first Ray we see. Ooh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I hope not, but at this point, I, I've, I leave I've that analysis up, I've to Ian. We can, we can think about it. We could tweet about it. Um, I don't think we need to camp out on Austin Meadows. No. He's clearly still coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want to talk about people struggling at the top of the lineup, we haven't heard very much of Brandon Lau's bat so far. He's had some very hard hits, but they've been ground outs or they just uh, have been snagged in the shift. And so he hasn't been producing on offense the same way that we would expect. Uh, but when it comes to the outfield, we really need to give props to Kevin Kiermaier tonight. Definitely. In his post-game interview, uh, he said that uh, it all kind of got started with him in that three-run home run early in the game. And uh, I-, I love KK's interviews. Uh, for, for, I just take them for what they are. Um, but he, Yeah, that was he's huge. not shy. ALDS game three last year and this year, three-run home run. Go ahead, three-run home runs from Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, he gets he gets it done in big moments. Had a nice catch in center field, um, patrolled that area very nicely as he always does. And, and despite also, despite the love that gets given to Stanton for his home runs, for his hitting ability, the hardest hit of the night by Kiermaier. That was a rocket off the bat. When Kiermaier hits one out, I mean they are rockets. Actually, it was the double to right field. Oh really? Was it really? Hundred and thirteen oh, wow. miles an hour. What was the home run? Do you have the home run? Uh, it's 99.9 oh wow wow okay, wow that's amazing 100. well let's talk about the bottom of the order first time in major league postseason history that an eight hitter and a nine hitter each had three rbi in the same game that's kevin kiermeyer and michael perez or perez uh, i can't believe that the tbs broadcast did not get a pronunciation guide it is not perez i don't know who they're thinking of it's an extremely common Hispanic last name. Yeah. His last name is pronounced Perez. Oh, I thought it was Pierre-Yves. <laughs> His French. <laughs> Pellwell? No, no, though. No. That, that's uh, that's the Agatha Christie guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it reminds me, I, I think it was of the of the public address announcer at the Trop back when the Ray, and I was real little, had uh, Tomas Perez, and he would go, Tomas Perez. <laughs> I think that's who they're trying to mimic. Um, but yeah, Michael Perez, he hasn't got a whole lot of playing time this season. But when he does play, he finds ways to drive in runs. I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, RBI, it's a, you, you've got to be at the right place at the right time. But he is, and he takes advantage of those situations. He's driven in a lot of key runs in the regular season. Now gets his first shot in the postseason in a, in a much deserved and probably needed day off. For Mike Zanino, I was I was actually shocked when I saw Perez's name in the lineup, um, but he stepped up and gave Zanino a day off, which is huge, especially now that the Rays 
might have two more games this week, and then they might be turning around and hopefully turning around and playing on Sunday. That's a lot of wear and tear on your backstop. So really good for Mike Zanino to get a day off there. Um, any other thoughts on Perez defensively, guys, tonight? Defensively, he did fine. He's an adequate uh, defender, and you hope for an edge on offense just based on handedness. And tonight he delivered that for sure. Uh, of, of course, the most fun one was when he was showing bunt and he, <laughs> he fouled off the first one and then he took a, or, or pulled a bat back when he was bunting and it was like a fastball down the middle. It was like, what are we doing? And then free swinging mm. on that third fastball. On that, that third fastball was the only one of those three pitches not in the zone. And boy, he hit that one out. I mean, it was so beautifully karmic to hear the announcers, the TBS announcers talk about bunting with Perez and then also bunting with Kiermaier and both of those guys hit massive home runs immediately. Even in mid-speech, you would get that. It was beautiful. 390 yeah. feet for that home run from Perez. And yeah, he let it get real deep on the plate, or it wasn't really on the plate. It was out of, out of the zone, and pure, pure strength. And it was one of those that carried out. Like, it wasn't a no-doubter. And Perez, though, when he hit it, like, he knew. He knew that it was going to get out of the ballpark. <laughs> he was pumped. He's pointing at the dugout. He's got his fist in the air. And I think he was the only one in the ballpark that knew that that <laughs> ball was gone. Um, and, and it did carry out. It was, it was a hell of a hit. So, uh, amazing from him. Don't know if we'll see him for the rest of this series. But if not, he, he's got his moment seeing the ALCS. Um, the, let's, let's talk about the bullpen usage. Charlie Morton, yeah. we get five solid. Actually, let's go to Morton first because we haven't seen him in a while. We haven't seen him at all in the postseason. This was his first start. Uh, to quote Kevin Cash, he's well-rested. He was well-rested. The fastball looked at early on. He was getting above 95, 96. I don't know if he hit 97 at all, but the fastball looked really good. He ended up with six strikeouts, only one walk over five innings. Uh, did give up a couple runs, but... Charlie Morton, I mean, looked. looked I thought ready he might have had two walks. That's not super important. Charlie Morton was just the good version of himself tonight. But what's interesting is uh, to the first couple innings, those first seven batters, really not using his curveball. We're used yeah. to Charlie Morton being a curveball first pitcher, maybe even use that curveball more than his fastball. And tonight, he was really working the cutter early. And maybe that's just the case of you're warming up, a pitch is working really well, you decide to go and use it. And for the first three innings, wow. He was, was dominating incredible. and it was, it was a little bit of a different pitcher. It was a little bit of a different look, maybe one curveball per at-bat. Uh, you know, things did end up getting hairy for him later in the game, but he got through it like a professional does. Yeah, and he, and he gave five solid in the fact that the Rays' offense was able to put up that many runs. Kevin Cash was able to turn to John Curtis and Shane McClanahan instead of having to bring out the full stable um, again tonight, even though John Curtis is part of part of that stable. Don't, Somehow. One of the four horsemen. <laughs> yeah. He is one of the four horsemen. I, I the, gave that the a little love horse. in the uh, game diary tonight on the site. <laughs> oh, He's I love the pale that. horse. So, I mean, that, that's huge, though. You going into game four, Diego Castillo went again tonight. I think he still be available tomorrow. Fair you know what I love about this? I, it's not the redemption narrative. I, and I, I'm Brett, I bet you were about to say that. Uh, it's it's not redemption for John Curtis and Shane McClanahan that gets me excited. It's the fact that we weren't burning pitchers the Yankees haven't seen recently. It has been weeks since they have seen uh, some of these raised relievers. And instead, you're getting John Curtis and Shane McClanahan again. You're getting Diego Castillo again. You're getting guys that you saw one or two nights ago 
you're not getting uh, sluggers, for instance, who might get uh, busted out. You're not getting, you know, they very easily could have taken Morton and then just handed it off to Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah. Just right. being honest. And they didn't. Yeah. And as excited as I was for yesterday's game and yesterday's win, I was also just as much, I was a little nervous about the usage of essentially the Rays' A bullpen. I mean, the guys are so good that so many of those, like almost the entire bullpen is an A bullpen. But I was a little worried that, you know, you use guys like Castillo, you use guys like Anderson for two winnings. Are they going to be available maybe tomorrow in a tight game with Tanaka? And, you know, you, re- you replay this game, it very well easily could be like four to three, whoever would win. But just to have Curtis and McClanahan go out there and pitch the bulk of those innings, basically just, re- you know, except for Castillo, just resetting the race bullpen in, in a way that sets them up great for a game four and then if needed a game five. I mean, it's, it's so satisfying like that to me is the mv like frankly curtis and, and yarborough for me i'm sorry not yarborough curtis and uh uh mcclanahan for me were the mvps of the night just because you could get that perfect wonderful reset for the biggest weapon the race have which is their bullpen i felt for mcclanahan tonight because uh you know willie adamas had that error where he just kind of overthrew Choi and it bounced off of the netting above the dugout so technically uh Voigt instead of being out at first which he easily would have been out uh he advances to second base what does that do for McClanahan pitching out of the stretch or not and then uh it's the home run given up to Stanton and that's the blemish uh for him on the evening and I can't help but think if Voigt is out he's not pitching out of the stretch maybe it goes different for him against him maybe it doesn't I mean John Carlos Stanton's freaking amazing and he's proven that uh, every single game of the playoffs that the Yankees have played so far. But uh, even if he gives up one home run and then it's a five-run lead, does McClanahan come back out for the ninth? Well, he did come back out for the ninth until Boone made the pinch hit. He brought, he brought in point. a pinch hitter and then cashed tactically with a four-run lead. Thought, all right, it's time to just get these outs, yeah. play the matchup game, secure this win. Which, which I thought was the right move. I don't think McClanahan was ever going to finish the ninth, but he was definitely going to get the first batter if it was whoever was in that in the game at that point. Higashioka might have still been in. I, yeah. I don't know. And, and I think it's pretty amazing, too, is that, you know, even the Yankees scored four runs, and again, Giancarlo Stanton is on another level when it comes to offense, but it's important to say that the Yankees did capitalize on some raised mistakes, and had they not been able to do that, this game would have been way crazy, and this game would have been much more of a, of a blowout I mean, I mean, Willie Adamas made an error in the third that set up the Darren Judge sack fly to tie the game up. And then, um, then of course, uh, his error where Luke Floyd ended up getting to second. So, I mean, the two of the runs that were the Yankees scored were unearned, and they were basically because Willie Adamas did a little funky play. Um, so, I, again, I, I, I'm not a fan of that first error for Willie. That was a deep dribbler to no man's land between mm. third and short. And he threw his glove down and stopped it. If Willie doesn't touch the ball, it's not an error. Yeah. I scored it a hit without checking. And then I didn't find out until later in the game that it, it was scored, scored an error, but that mm-hmm. one was, I mean, you know, we can go back and we can debate about errors all night, but the throw I mean, this was rough. Is, this is a big win. I think we can talk a little bit more positives when it comes to hard hit baseballs consistently. Joey Wendell had four of them tonight. Joey Wendell again putting up a, a postseason performance that is quietly one for the ages. He had three hits. He scored two of the runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only struck out once. The other four times it was a hard hit ball. 
I am just wildly impressed with Joey Wendell. And like you said, he's doing it in the, the so quietly, which is about the most Joey Wendell thing that you can do. Uh, and the, yeah, he, another amazing night from Joey Wendell, back-to-back games in this series where, where he's been killing it. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, I believe, is getting a start tomorrow for the Yankees um, or maybe an opener again. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be Ryan Thompson on the on the mound to open up the game for the Rays. Do you guys think we see Ryan Yarbrough behind Ryan Thompson, if not right away at some point in game four? Yes. Yeah. From, from, <laughs> from like a bulk of the innings, or do you think he comes in where the matchups look best? Because this Yankee lineup stacked with power hitting righties sure. doesn't always match up great for Yarbrough. So do you think they try to lean on him for three, four innings? I mean, so it depends on what version of Ryan Thompson you get. Yeah. What I imagine from him. Well, so Ryan Thompson's a one-time-through-the-order kind of guy. If it's kind of coming apart at the seams, maybe he only gets six or seven batters. That could be the first inning with this kind of Yankees offense. That could be two innings plus. You never know, and it really depends on the reality of that moment. So I think that's hard to tell. And then I think you mix and match and you bring in Yarbrough just because he can give you quality length. And it's going to be a look that the Yankees haven't seen this entire series, so I'm not too worried about him facing the Yankees either. No, I, I think I maybe would like to see, like, if you go Thompson and then maybe a hard-throwing righty, you either go, like, Fairbanks or maybe someone like Sleggers, uh, and then, then you go to Yarbrough. But uh, Thompson and Yarbrough would be good, coming from the right and left side. I think that, that would be a good, a good way to, to mix and match it against this lineup. Well, boys, we are one win away. From the American League Championship Series, uh, it, this could this could be over tomorrow night. First and lead in the ALDS since 2011. Nine years ago, and nine uh, years we didn't even advance out of that one. So yeah, let's get through this one tomorrow night. Uh, I I am a little bit happier about the seven o'clock first pitch on the East Coast because yeah, uh, we've been doing these real late, and your boy needs some sleep. But um, <laughs> that is going to do it. For tonight's episode of the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series, thank you to Danny Russell and Brett Phillips for hopping on again. If you want each of these episodes downloaded directly to your device every morning after a Rays playoff game, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed and make sure to keep checking out all the great coverage of the Rays postseason run over at DRaysBay.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bring me Andy Diaz. <laughs>